Good morning. Happy Fulfilling Friday. Welcome to Simply Remarkable. We're so glad you're here. Now, this show is sponsored by Remarkable A Speakers Bureau. And I'm your host today, Sue Falcone, founder and CEO of Remarkable A Speakers Bureau. Now, why did we start this? This is our second season, and we started it for you. We wanted our audiences, our clients, event planners to know our talent personally, just like we do. And you'll learn a lot about them and see how remarkable they really are and how they can help you be remarkable too. That's the, that's the idea. And you never know what happens here. Now, our chat line is open. Any questions, any comments, shout outs, we'd love to know you're here. We are multi-streaming, so we are on four channels totally. So we have lots of people that sometimes we can't see you exactly, but we do know you're there and we do get to see everything after the show. Now, our featured guest today is the award-winning corporate business humorist. He's a speaker, MC, author, and nationally syndicated humor columnist. And you've seen him as creator and host of the travel show, A Comedian Crashes Your Pad on Roku and Amazon and all over. And he shares this. If laughter is healthy, why aren't we all okay? Let's welcome Greg Schwimm to Simply Remarkable today. Welcome, Greg. Well, it's great to be here, Sue. Thank you so much for having me on. And you said you never know what's going to happen here. Now I got to figure out how to do something. <laughs> I feel like you put the <laughs> pressure on me. I, I'm just well, sitting in my place right now answering questions from you. But who knows? We got a long way to go, don't we? Yes, but it goes by fast. Yeah, it's true. Look, 30 minutes goes by so quick. Well, especially when you're talking about a topic that we both know and love. Exactly. And Greg, where are you coming to us from? I am coming to you from the beautiful city of Chicago. It's a beautiful day today. Great, great. Because some of our speakers, we never know where they're at. So we some of our uh, people uh, that watch us say, can we know where they're at? Yeah. Said, sure. Well, I'll ask that. <laughs> well, it's been a busy month. I mean, you could have caught me this month in Atlanta or Dallas or... Uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. I mean, those have all been sites of uh, of corporate speaking dates uh, in October alone. So um, it's actually nice to be uh, uh, back in my place. And I'm so glad that you do book quickly because that is key. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for uh, a business humorist, speaker, uh, or MC, hey, he books quickly. So you make sure that you remember that. Right. Now, Greg... Let me just jump in here. Uh, where did you grow up and who was the greatest influence in your life? Uh, well, okay. Well, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I grew up in a town called Arlington Heights, which is about 45 minutes from here. Now, when you say influence, do you say just in general influence or influence in my influence as to what made me go into uh, the business of comedy? Well, you you make that choice. Okay. All right. I'd say my I'd say my greatest influence are my parents probably because they they pushed me, they encouraged me to follow my dream. So I was a uh, I was a journalist before I got into the business of making people laugh for a living. And 
they sent me to school. They sent me to a very good school, Northwestern University, to be a journalist. And I thought, well, I should be a journalist then because they worked hard to do that and they sacrificed a lot. But uh, uh, when I told them I had this idea that I wanted to quit journalism and, as I said, make people laugh as opposed to depressing them every day, which is kind of what I felt like I was doing ultimately as a journalist, um, they they eventually said, go for it. You don't want to look back and say, I wish I'd tried that. So that was 33 years ago. Um, as far as my biggest influences in this profession, I think I have two. I, I think I think Steve Martin was probably the guy that made me want to get up on stage. And David Letterman was the guy that showed me how easy it could be to make people laugh without without offending them, even though some people might think David Letterman is 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 an, an offensive comic or goes out of his way to belittle people. I don't believe that. I just believe he had a very natural delivery and made people laugh about things around them and uh, normal stuff. And that's what I try to do in my corporate shows is just get people to laugh at what is around them and, and find humor in things that they may not think are funny. Exactly. Because like I said, life's short. Yeah. <laughs> we need to laugh. We need to laugh. More now than ever. Exactly. And growing up, were you always funny though? Did you like to have fun? Did, did you see that humor? I, I enjoyed making people laugh. I did. Um, that came from a very early age. I just I just enjoyed the reaction I got. I got into trouble sometimes uh, doing that in school. But uh, I high school was always was also the first time I ever did stand up comedy. And I was hooked from that moment on. And uh, um, so, yeah, I would you know, people always say to me they and I think they ask a lot of comedians, they say, were you the class clown in school? And I say, no, I was sort of the class wise guy. And the difference is that the class clown always gets in trouble because he's trying to make the other students laugh. Whereas the class wise guy was trying to make the teacher laugh. And I found, I figured out very early on, if you can make a teacher laugh, you can't get in trouble. You can't punish somebody when you're laughing. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Now today, that goes for that goes for making the CEO laugh too in my oh, corporate yeah. events. If the CEO is laughing, everything's gonna be okay. Exactly. <laughs> Do we not know that really well right. in our in our business? You bet. Uh -huh. Now today, comedy and humor play a very crucial role in corporate events. I think I've never are. seen it more. But now, has that always been the case? Or has what's the difference in change today where people are seeking that really one of the requirements of being a great speaker, you have to bring some humor and some mm -hmm. you know storytelling and they, yeah. they want to see that. What's the what's made that difference? I think that first of all, I think COVID played a very big role in that. I mean, COVID changed everything and it certainly changed uh the types of speakers I think that people want at events. Humor is definitely a subject that I think, and it's a very biased statement to make, but I think humor should be included at every corporate event. I think everybody needs to laugh, but humor is also a very tricky subject to introduce into a corporate event because, and this is where it's gotten more tricky. I think you have to make sure that you have to be able to make people laugh uh, without offending people, without belittling people, without belittling the organization that you're working for. That's not why I'm hired. 
I am hired to make people feel good about themselves, their company, what they do. Um, when they get up and go to work every day, I want people to say, this is a, this is a great place to work. They hired that guy. They hired that guy to make us laugh, to, to bring a little levity into it. But it, it's not an easy thing to do. And um, I think before COVID, it was getting especially difficult. Uh, I think there were a lot of people who maybe booked corporate events that were like, oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe this is something we just should avoid or we don't need to take a chance on that or something. Um, I mean, it didn't affect my business, but I had to convince people. I had to convince the people that hired me. Um, when you do hire me, you're not going to get somebody who's going to offend people in the audience. Now, fast forward to after corporate meetings started to uh, reemerge live events after COVID. Now I think people are just so anxious to be back together. And I'm sure you agree with this, that they also, when they go to events, I think they not only want to be motivated, I think they not only want to be informed, but I think they want to be entertained as well. I think that's especially true of the younger generation, you people that are maybe just entering the workforce uh, in their 20s and their early 30s. Uh, they're all about the experience. That's a word you that you really hear a lot now among the Gen Zs and the millennials. It's not, we just don't want to attend a meeting. We want to have an experience. And I think part of the, that experience is having fun, having fun at work um, and having fun when you're at an offsite event. And I don't know how you cannot have fun unless you're laughing. Exactly. And I found, and I said, if speakers could catch this, and I, I really work hard at telling our speakers and any that I come in contact, event planners tell me today they are looking for speakers that can create an experience. Mm -hmm. They don't want someone to talk. Right. They don't want someone to give a speech. Mm -hmm. They don't want someone to do a presentation. They want someone that can create an experience. And I tell speakers, I said, if you can get that in your mindset, mm -hmm. I said, you can create that. Yes. Absolutely. Because you have it. It's just never been that focused that you do. And Greg, I, I just must say this. You do such a great job at when you get an event that you work with that client mm -hmm. so much. You do homework research that goes back to your journalism. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that they know what they're getting and you know exactly what that audience is. And you also know probably what it's going to take uh, to entertain and to make the CEO laugh. Right. Yeah. And I think now and I, I think now people really want to be a part um, of and this maybe isn't true for every speaker, but for me, I mean, that's why it's so important. There's an awful lot of speakers, I think, who will just just show up and they have their presentation and it is what it is. But I I believe because when you're again, when you're introducing humor into an event, obviously there's a set of rules that you have to abide by. And I want to make sure that my clients know ahead of time that I'm going to abide by those rules. Like I use visuals during my presentations. I have been for years and I always show them to the client ahead of time. And I tell them, I go, I, 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 I don't want you to judge them 
and say, well, slide six, nobody laughed at that one when we were reviewing it. I always say it's it's going to make sense. It's, it's going to all work out. I basically, though, I want you to look at these from a factual standpoint, make sure that there's nothing that you see that I'm saying incorrectly or or that doesn't apply to maybe this particular uh, branch of the organization. Um, in other words, I want to make sure that it's relatable because there's nothing worse as a speaker, I think. And I've, I've, I've been a victim of this a few times, and I'm sure every speaker has, where you think you're connecting with them, but at some point, maybe you're, you're not, you're at some point, you, maybe you're just talking about something that does not apply to them. And it doesn't necessarily have, that could be just something you saw on their website or something that you thought was interesting, but it didn't pertain to that particular sector. Um, so it's not always intentional, but if it happens, it can be very uncomfortable. And I don't want anybody in my audience to ever feel for a moment uncomfortable. That's great goals. That's great present that's great skill to be mm -hmm. able to do that you know and to yeah, that, but I can't do it by myself well. I need their help I need their help to be able to do that exactly and that's what they ask for too right they want to be involved they want to mm -hmm. be engaged yeah 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 and yeah I tell speakers yeah you might need a little entertaining uh -huh. <laughs> you know yeah, you gotta exactly. you know you gotta exactly. put this in there I have to learn that too because mm -hmm. I can be serious you know, there's a time. Yeah, there's a time. You can't be funny all the time. There's a time to be serious. And there's a, but I think there's also a time. And this goes back to saying, I think that every um, every corporate event needs uh, a little levity. Yeah, there's a time to be serious. I mean, you wouldn't spend these you wouldn't spend all this money uh, to have a live event. You wouldn't book the hotel rooms and you wouldn't book the restaurants and the meals and so forth. If uh, if you didn't feel like there was something important to get out of it among your team, your employees, your partners, your customers, whatever. But I also believe that within that time frame, you might as well have a little bit of fun too. I mean, people made the effort to get there um, and they're, you know, they're getting up in the morning and they're following the schedule and so forth. And, and why not? Why not uh, reward them, I think, with a chance to make them laugh? Exactly. Exactly. Because that makes people feel important. Right. Right. Yeah, valued, valued. You know, mm -hmm. we can laugh about things together. Right. I mean, that those are personal moments, but I think so key to what we do, and yeah. that's that's what I've I've just been uh, listening to you. You really do help me because I I read your your materials, I read your blogs, and we put out a blog yesterday mm -hmm. that we just thought was fun. It really was on on a topic in our industry that can be serious. AI and chat GPT and all like this that's going on out there and sure. it can be valuable or it can be misused. I mean, all those kind of things, but you made it really interesting to mm -hmm. see from different perspectives. Yeah. And I'm sure we got lots of views on your blog yesterday. So <laughs> everybody needs to go look at that one because that's, you got to take a, a step back mm -hmm. and you can have your opinion and you can have your guidelines here. But you have to kind of laugh at it too, because yeah, you know. yeah, and I and I, you know, that's a, it's interesting because you 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 mentioned my latest at the beginning of this. You mentioned the title of my latest uh, uh, keynote about if laughter is healthy, why aren't we all okay? And the the whole purpose of that is basically to show people, educate people that everybody can laugh together. But sometimes you have to communicate with one another. You have to be able to explain state your point of view 
as to why you think something's funny and why you don't think something's funny, but also be able to listen to somebody who finds humor and maybe something you don't. And it's a, it's a real chance, I think, in, in companies uh, to learn about one another. I just spoke in uh, Georgia uh, last week for a whole audience of, uh, of HR reps. And that's what I told them. I said, you, you people are kind of the referees in your offices of people who come to you and say, I, I found this offensive and so forth. And I said, you have to be able to kind of play the peacemaker. But one of the ways to do that is to get the employees together and have them talk it out. And I think it's amazing what you learn about one another when you do that. Exactly. And find the commonalities. Yes. A lot that you didn't know were there. And respectfully disagree if if you do. But but there's no there's because as I tell my audiences, nobody knows the answer to the question, what's funny? And that includes that includes I, I don't know that answer. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't know that answer. Jerry Seinfeld, when Jerry Seinfeld writes a joke, he doesn't know if it's funny or not. He thinks it's funny. And he's willing to go up on stage and deliver it in front of, in his case, you know, three, thirty five hundred people. But they might not think it's funny. Maybe a hundred people in that room might might think it's funny and the rest of it might kind of go. Mm. And then he'll go back and he'll say, OK, so maybe that wasn't as funny as I thought it was. And now I got to figure out a way to either fix it or maybe it's just not something people want to laugh at. That's what humor is. Yep. And the best audiences for this signature keynote, have you found, you know, if laughter is healthy, why aren't we all okay? Mm-hmm. What are some of your best audiences that have really picked up on that? You know, it's it's not necessarily my audiences. I think it's maybe the time of year and, and what they really want to focus on. I think that this is a presentation that can really speak to health and wellness, um, which is a big, which all companies are are striving for among their employees. Uh, because, you know, we could, we could go on and on and on about how, you know, you laugh every day and it makes you healthy and it fires endorphins off and so forth. Everybody's heard that. But so I don't, I don't really dwell on that, uh, during my presentation, but if you're going to strive to create an environment where people feel good about themselves, feel good about one another, then I think you have to include laughter. You can't just keep swipe. You can't just keep pushing it under the rug or saying, we can't talk about this swipe left, swipe left. So health and wellness is something. And also I think DEI, I think diversity, equity, and inclusion, because um, one of the, the, one of the things about humor that can, that can cause problems, I think is people of different ethnic backgrounds, people of different demographics, people of different sexual orientations, whatever, um, might disagree on what is and isn't funny. So again, having that little message in there about, do you talk with people when you don't find something funny? Do you actually say to the person, I don't find that funny, but here's why, as opposed to say running to HR and saying, I can't work with that person because he just said, he or she just said something that offends me. Um, so that's a big part of the presentation. However, I, I don't want you to think that it's all about that. I get into that. I, I also though, don't believe that you can have a serious discussion about humor unless you're making the audience laugh first. So I devote probably the first 20 minutes of, a, of my hour long keynote to just making people laugh, showing them that it is possible to laugh at themselves, at their industry, at the event that they're that they're attending. Um, 
And once I got him in a good mood and I said, see, see how good you feel about that, as opposed to saying, eh, you know, laughter fires endorphins or something. Just look at how you feel about that. Now we're going to talk about how to keep that feeling and be able to keep that feeling and also be able to communicate with your fellow coworkers and still be able to keep that feeling. And I'm sure being a stand-up comedy uh, comedian has helped you in that oh. so that so that you have that because you've opened for some of the biggest people around. You've yeah. worked with some of the greatest that we would all recognize. Uh -huh. And so that I'm sure just comes right into corporate. Yeah, so well, I think as I tell audiences, I mean, I, I have been on the receiving end of this. I have been on for people who saying they don't. I've had people approach me most not so much in corporate, but I used to work comedy clubs. I mean, I would have people with no problem, you know, swearing at me, telling me how much I sucked, uh, that kind of thing. So I, I, I know about that. Um, and I've always said, what better, who better than a comedian to talk about humor? There's a lot of, there are speakers out there that call themselves, you know, quote unquote, humor experts or something, or they're say they're going to talk about humor, but I, they don't, you know, I, I think you have to have been in the trenches a little bit. I always say if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna educate people on how to cook, you better be able to show some food at some point. <laughs> so um, I think I think having somebody like me that knows how to, that has 25, 30 years experience making people laugh in all different uh, at all in all different areas. Like you mentioned, concert openings. I mean, I've worked cruise ships, I've worked backyard pool parties, I've done bachelorette parties, I've done just about everything, church functions. So I have. I have worked for just about every kind of audience and that is those learning experiences really help in terms of how I approach a corporate audience. Exactly. And I think I came from corporate myself and I think that you need to be in the trenches. Yes. To be able to do well in the corporation and all like this so that you do understand mm -hmm. where these people are coming from. Right. Because you were there. Yes, I always yeah. believe that, and uh, I love to hear stories. And yesterday, it, it just made my heart sing when I saw this that the new CEO of Costco started as a delivery person. Yes, yes, I exactly. mean, you know, and that just instills the hope, and the future is there for the people that are working. And, and I'm sure in your audiences, you can see all different. Uh, you know, types of people and you never know, you know, where they're at and what they can become right. based on they heard something that Greg said. Yeah, you know, that that yeah. is really key, you know, mm -hmm. where they go back. So I saw that and I just thought, oh, wow. <laughs> wonder how many audiences he's been in. No but, kidding. You know, exactly. <laughs> that told him that, hey, yes, you could do this. And that right. was great. You right. know, and I see so many older companies that are being revitalized by younger, like mm -hmm. you said, yeah, the, the millennials and the Gen Zs and all are coming right. up and they're revitalizing older companies, which is really kind of exciting. Yeah, you know, then, you know, that's, that's the kind of audiences and that's the kind of uh, people that we associate with the ones to get to those audiences, the event planners and all that bring us in. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. exciting. I think yeah. there is uh, certainly a place uh, you know, for all of us out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thank you for what you do because you. we we need, we need that, that, that laughter to come through. 
Yeah. And, and you, you know, you mentioned the younger generations and so forth who grew up in kind of a video based world, um, YouTube and, and social media and so forth. And we're very used to everything being documented um, uh, for everybody to be able to see. And I think I, I've really used that to my advantage. I mean, I, I like to I always tell when I deliver my presentation, we talked about that earlier. I always say it's about 95% complete. It'll be 100% complete once I'm at your event and I maybe walk around your expo floor or something like that for a few minutes with my iPhone, um, or I might attend your party the night before uh, where you're all in a really, really good mood. And, and I might some of your people might end up in the, in the final presentation, but in a very positive light. They're going to be in there having fun and uh, um, and and doing and, and I think people love to see themselves on screen. Uh, I think people love to love to know during my presentation that I singled them out, that I singled them out for something that I found to be entertaining, um, not silly or stupid, just entertaining. And uh, um, if they can see themselves in my presentation, I I, I find that. It's very gratifying when they come up to me and said, wow, didn't know you were going to use that. But um, but I think they were kind of glad that I did because now they're the rock star of their company. <laughs> exactly. And and that's the difference in great speakers and great entertainers that they can make that personal and real. Right. Because that's what people are looking for. Absolutely. You know? mm -hmm. And that, will, that, will they remember that? You better believe they will oh, yeah. certainly remember that. Exactly. And this has been exciting. But now let me ask you, Greg, looking back, mm -hmm. what is it that makes you smile about where you are at today? What makes me smile? The fact that after doing this for over 30 years, uh, people are still coming to me and asking me to go make them laugh. Um, I will do, people say, when are you going to retire? Uh, never. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to retire from a job that brings, not only brings me so much joy. I mean, I get to, I get to go around the world and make people laugh for a living. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, 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 I would probably like to quit that in two months. No. Um, so not only brings me so much joy, but it brings my audience so much joy. I never, ever thought when I started this, when I, that going back to the story that we told at the beginning of this podcast about, uh, you know, my parents saying, go ahead and pursue your dream. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would still be doing this uh, at 61 years old. And um, I have no intention of stopping. I have no, I, I love the creative process. I still love trying to sort of outguess my audience a little bit. So I think just that combination of things just makes me smile when I get up every morning. Well, that's good news for me. Because <laughs> I don't plan on retiring either. It's not in my DNA. No. I, mean, I, I, I can't even imagine what that life would look like. No. You know, mm -hmm. I've never, because I'm celebrating a special anniversary this weekend is my 34th wedding anniversary, Congratulations. but I'm also uh, this year celebrating my 56th year in the workplace with no interruptions. There you go. And uh, I, I, I don't know what, you know, this, this is life. This right. is what we do. Exactly. And so I'm glad we could do it together. Right. All right. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, we met and that we, that you're uh, remarkable. 
And you're one of our remarkable uh, speakers. And in closing, Greg, let me ask this. What will you do today to be remarkable? What will I do today? Today, what do I have? Well, uh, I will write just like I do every day. I will come up with new ideas. I try to write something uh, for an hour every day. Uh, Then I will go outside and I will make sure that I exercise so I can continue to stay healthy and continue to do what I do. And uh, then I will uh, will celebrate the fact that not only is it the weekend and that I worked hard to earn the weekend, but Monday's only three days away and I get to crank it up and do it all over again. How awesome. How awesome. We are so blessed and so blessed to have you come to our, all of our events that, uh, and let me just tell you, he does book quickly. So make sure that he is available and we'd love to hear from you because Mm -hmm. we, we know what he has and so do the audiences. And we're just thankful that you're with us. Now, again, our audience that's out there today, sometimes they don't tell us they're there Mm -hmm. and that's okay. We find out later, but I would have never imagined doing this two years ago. I mean, I couldn't. Oh no, no. I mean, I really couldn't because uh, I want to give a shout out to our program director, broadcast director, Lisa Raymond, because we came up with this idea to do a live show and then yes, this afternoon, it will be a rebroadcast. So we have a live audience. We have a rebroadcast audience. And then next Wednesday, it becomes a podcast. So we've got another audience. So we, I would have never dreamed that we could make this happen physically, technically. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. We, we still <laughs> don't know if it can happen technically until we're actually on the air. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to go away. No, but you know, it's fun. We can laugh about it because guess what? I watch TV and wow. look. They have, they have problems all the time. So yes. if they're having problems and they get paid much more than we do, probably. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. we can handle this. You know, right. we can, we've got this. So again today, thank you, Greg, for being here. My pleasure. And we want our audience out there. Tell us, what are you going to do today to be remarkable? Did you hear anything that you might want to listen to? I love that. He's going to go exercise. He's going to write. Hey, he's working. Even though he's got a day off, he's still working out because we have to keep going and do that. That's why we we can last. Right, exactly. (laughs) Laughing, and we hope everyone will join us right back here next Friday, which is the October twenty seventh, where our featured guest will be worldwide keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, best selling author, corporate trainer. He is the former lead solo pilot of the Elite Blue Angels. Uh, He's a podcast host and he has a mindset to get us in the mood of glad to be here. That's what he teaches. We're glad to be here. And his book is called Fearless Success. So join us next week for John Gucci Foley. Come see Gucci. He will be here. And I, we're excited and thrilled to have him. And again, we just wish for you a happy fall weekend and 
keep laughing and learn to laugh well because it is good medicine and we thank greg and that we have that way that we can do that mm-hmm. thanks for joining us we'll see you next week greg all right thanks so much for always good to be here